0: Welcome to Talent First. In this episode of Talent First, I speak to women in cybersecurity advocate and specialist herself, Stacey Champagne. I've been following Stacey's work for some time now. At first, as someone in cybersecurity executive search, she wanted to learn much more about the technical aspects of this industry, about leadership roles and entry level roles. And then, as an advocate myself for women in security and the tech C suite, especially as her work with Hacker in Heels really came to the fore. As you'll know, if you listen in often or follow me on LinkedIn, I'm a huge fan of people who put action in innovation, people that do rather than just talk, and Stacey embodies that. Her unique perspective on getting women into this industry is fascinating, and I really hope that this episode helps get her message out there. As ever, hope you enjoy. Thank you so much for joining me today, Stacey. Uh, you are an inspiration to many women who are looking to pivot into cybersecurity. I'm really looking forward to talking about your journey and obviously about your foundation of Hacker in Heels. Thank you for having me. So, first of all, um if we could start with you telling us a little bit about your career journey so far and what led you to founding Hacker in Heels. Sure. So
1: I myself have been in cybersecurity for over eight years. And prior to that, I was a visual information specialist uh, for the US intelligence community. I made charts and graphics and other designs to convey information for a variety of stakeholders, um, military, Congress, uh, even uh, created some things for the president uh, and the vice president at the time. That was that was my dream job. Um, I had my sights on it, uh, and I could say so far as like you know this is a job that I'm gonna get and I'm gonna retire from. I'm gonna work for 20 years. I'm gonna be a lifer, all of that. Um, and I wanted to do that as as early as a junior in high school, because I had met a recruiter um, who had talked about it. sounded super interesting and everything. And so I kind of just set my sights on that. Um, what was really cool was that. I got that job right out of the gate. I before I even graduating from college, um I was interning there and 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 had the, you know, the opportunity to to continue that on thereafter. But once I got into that role, I realized super quick like just no, this is this is actually, you know, not the employment opportunity for me. I um, you know, at least right now, because uh, when you work in the government, uh, you know, there's there's time and role and it's a very rigid process to be able to move up and advance. And as someone as ambitious as I was, um, it, it just it wasn't a good fit. And so to kind of keep it brief from there, I, I pivoted into the cybersecurity and it was through that experience of going from being what was essentially a graphic designer uh, to a cybersecurity practitioner. I saw how all of the skills and the experience I had as a graphic designer actually um, really helped me in my cybersecurity position. So I always had like a, like an entrepreneurial streak growing up. Um, I had an Etsy store. I did a lot of uh, freelance design work for nonprofits. And so my mind was always considering new ideas. And at the time, this was, you know, back in like 20, 20 14, 2015, we were hearing about the pipeline problem all the time. Like that was pipeline problem was the keywords. And I thought to myself, well, you know, getting a kid into college today isn't gonna solve the talent shortage we have right now. That's that's a multi-year process, at least two to four. If you're just gonna, you know, take a high school senior. Um, can we find More women who are like me, who are already working in a corporate environment, have some transferable skills, have the lay of the land of of, of working, um, you know, in a in a professional role and then just like teach them the cybersecurity part. And um, we saw in the latest uh, cybersecurity skills report that came out for the UK for the labor market uh, a few days ago that. When it comes to people currently in cybersecurity roles, uh, the employers are finding that this this big chunk of them, 43%, have this complementary skills gap. So they're lacking in skills such as communication, leadership, management, sales, and marketing. And so that's really the impetus behind why I started Hacker and Heels because I saw that
0: opportunity. I think there's a couple of things there that you bring up. So you know, for, for people or women in particular going into cybersecurity you don't have to have always been in cybersecurity you can pivot in and of course there are technical skills to learn uh, there may be qualifications that you need but in terms of those human skills that's that's something that women have got in buckets um and i think that's something as well that employers are going to have to see more and more is that you don't, you know, it doesn't, the CV doesn't have to say cybersecurity from day one and that people from other professions like marketing or finance or whatever it might be have got these fantastic skills that are, you know, needed in this industry. So let's talk a little bit more about Hacker in Heels then. So um I'd like to know a bit more about how you founded the organization, your, I guess, your mission statement for want of a better phrase. Sure, so when
1: I set out to create hacker and heels I didn't want to create another organization that was focused on K through 12 um you know how our our school structure is set up here in the US there's a lot of really great groups that are already focused in that space and solving challenges there around inspiring that next generation to pursue cybersecurity careers and technical careers and everything so I wanted to specifically support women who are either career pivoters uh, or already in cybersecurity and wanting to get to those top levels. There is hardly anybody that I found, um, you know, at that time and even still today paying attention to women with five years, 10 years, 15 years of experience. Uh, so I started with offering change makers. Uh, which is a six-week program for women who think that they want to change careers into cybersecurity, but don't really know where to start, don't know what they want to do, don't really know much about cybersecurity. And Changemakers uh, helps them figure out two key things. The first one is, what do you actually want to do for your career and for your life, irrespective of cybersecurity? We figure that one out first and then only after that then we start to get into number 2 which is where in cybersecurity might you see yourself and then what are the the first few steps you need to take to head off in that direction so that was the first thing we offered and then beyond change makers we have insiders our membership community uh for women at all stages of their cybersecurity career we have these monthly connection calls we have a private slack community q and a tuesdays where they can get advice for anything that's going on for them currently, study hours, study squads, a lot of really great opportunities to continue to connect, most importantly, and then, of course, uh, grow and advance their skills and, and, uh, you know, get lined up with opportunities. So we have that program. And then lastly, where I'd like to go is eventually offering uh, a group mastermind of sorts for women in cybersecurity that are around that 10 year mark. Um, that, that tipping point that we know where so many women either burn out or they're pushed out or they're otherwise leaving this field. So give them the coaching and the support for, for, you know, something as, as, as significant as a year to, to help them process what they've been through so far and outline what they want their story to be, where they want to go, what they want to do, how they want to feel uh, for that next decade and really just kind of re-energizing them to stay in cybersecurity and keep going.
0: So I was on a podcast um, a few days ago and I was asked the question, what advice would I give to women who are looking to pivot? This is a bonus question, Stacey, by the way. I'm just going to throw this one at you. Um, so, what what was my advice for women looking to pivot into cybersecurity? So, if you had, you know, just one really good kind of nugget of wisdom that you would give to women looking to, you know, maybe mid career want to change, what what was what would be your key piece of advice to those women? I would
1: say try it on. Um, there are a lot of really great learning platforms that are very accessible to be able to do a couple of fun activities to introduce you to cybersecurity. So that would be, you know, a key piece of advice is to go on a platform like try hack me. Um, you can also look at some of the training platforms that you might already have access to in your workplace, like a a plural site or Coursera or whatnot, and go on there. And just before you get lost in the rabbit hole of trying to do Google searching and figuring out what role you want to be in and stuff like that, like, just go do some foundational exploration that allows you to put a little bit of those that hands on keyboard and actually, you know, do some activities in, in in cybersecurity and interact with the firewall and, um, you know, write a couple of uh, lines of Python and, and see what is, um, you know, what you're being drawn to in the field.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So that's kind of what I said as well. It's about taking that next step. You say, try it on, have a go. How does it feel? And then start making decisions about which path you want to take because you can't do everything. I mean, it's such a huge industry, isn't it? You can't possibly do all roles. You can't be, you know, Jill of all trades. Um, so yeah, that was that was exactly. I'm glad that you've confirmed <laughs> what I said. the conversation a little towards the, the practicalities of women in cybersecurity and, and talk about how we can encourage more women into this profession because you've you've already alluded to the um, UK report that came out, the UK government report about the state of cybersecurity here which had some frightening facts in it and some potentially disheartening facts as well about the decrease of women in cybersecurity. So how can we encourage more women into this profession?
1: I'm going to take this in a direction that listeners might not anticipate. By saying that to encourage more women into the profession, we need to support the ones that are already here and the ones that are already trying to get in here the women who are already here, they're the ones that are the role models. They're the ones that the next generation's looking up to. And if we've got women hitting the 10 year mark in their career uh, around, you know, potentially around that 35 years of age and they're throwing up their hands and they've had enough with the bias, uh, the lack of respect, the, the, the lack of promotion, equitable compensation, the bro culture, that's super discouraging for anybody that's considering the field in fact, I just saw on Reddit the other day, uh, yeah, like another post of a person saying, hey, I'm not sure about the cybersecurity career thing now after seeing everybody talking about burnout. So we know that half of all women in tech leave their jobs at by age 35. That's from a, a 2020 report from Accenture. So we've got this massive gap of representation because if you're leaving at age 35, you're, you're not making it to CISO. And while I know it seems counterintuitive, I really think that's where our focus should be.
0: Absolutely. I mean, I speak to a lot of women that have been in the profession for, say, 15 to 20 years, and they're tired, not tired of, but they're being asked for the same advice. And after 20 years, it's like, you know, there's, there's really not very much changing or happening I think even little things as well like if you go on to LinkedIn um, because obviously in my my profession I'm you know recruiting CISOs and so on so if I follow a CISO conversation or one that's based on the role of the CISO there are very few women in those conversations in fact sometimes I'm the only one so I think that even little things like that are, are quite telling as well. So i guess then that leads on to my next question about you know you've talked about this uh, about the age of 35 and i've seen exactly those same statistics as well that women are leaving the profession in droves at a far higher rate than men regardless of burnout fatigue mental health and well-being you know so why is that what can we what can organizations do about it where do we go from here that's a huge question i realize but um,
1: yeah (laughs) yeah and i have so many thoughts about that so uh, starting first with the facts Women in Cybersecurity published their 2023 State of Inclusion report. And it was a couple months ago. And it, it echoes with with so many facts, with the stats, and, and 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 much of what I've seen and heard, which is that women are especially impacted by lack of respect and lack of career opportunities in cybersecurity. And and these negative workplace experiences result most frequently from leadership uh their leadership in the companies and their direct managers their colleagues their peers can play a role uh, when it comes specifically to that respect component but the majority of, of all the situations we're hearing about are stemming from leadership and direct managers and then you look at who's bearing the brunt of that exclusion well it's the managers so then you've got uh managers uh, reporting exclusion levels, these these women in cybersecurity managers, exclusion levels 12% higher than individual contributors and 23% higher than those who are senior managers and executives. So we're right at that middle point of, you know, pro- it, most likely like the women who are at that 35 years of, of age, they're hopefully in that first rung of leadership. And they're the ones that are experiencing this rain down of of uh, negative experiences. So, just so we're clear about what we're defining or what we see defined exclusion as, it's you know uh, impacts to respect, impacts to career and growth, access and participation to projects and opportunities that can help advance their career, recognition for their impact. Uh, all of these key facets of a workplace experience you know, women aren't just being left out of, they're being actively harmed. And you can just look at the quotes in this report. One of them saying, you know, colleagues would play pornographic movies as I arrived to meetings. And one time a colleague played a movie like this when we were meeting with a customer. This is this is 2023. This is happening today. The likelihood that it's happening at your company is not your, you know, everyone's companies is pretty high. And of the participants in the study, 83% of them shared at least one experience of exclusion. So we have to do something to fix this. And there's a two-pronged approach. There's the accountability and, uh, you know, I would say is one part and the other part of its employee development. But as you were saying with these conversations, I mean, everybody knows that by now. So the real question is, why aren't we acting on it? And I see that they're not acting on it because the people, the processes, and the mechanisms to create, enforce, and actually participate in the efforts around these things, they're just not there. Nobody has time for it when cybersecurity teams and uh, the other functions you know, they barely have the support and the focus to accomplish the, the number one mission objective of securing the company, let alone, you know, anything else, right? And so um what we saw in that UK report is that companies, uh, you know, we're really, really peeling it back. And, you know, as the military saying goes, moving it to the left of boom, companies are refusing to properly staff their security teams. They keep, scoping these unicorn catch all roles that require someone someone who has a lot of time on their hands uh you know beyond the nine to five to be able to pick up all the skills necessary to fulfill those roles we were just saying cyber security is a huge field there are so many tools technologies processes capabilities that you know if someone to be able to to do it all uh, it's, it's literally impossible, and especially women do not have the time for that. Uh, so, so the UK report said, you know, 61% of cyber sector firms have employees working in a, quote, cybersecurity generalist role, which uh, they define as the performance of the duties of multiple cybersecurity specialisms in one role. So we've got that and then, uh, you know, I'll wrap, I'll wrap this up after I just make this one more really important point is that, you know, so we've got these unicorn positions and then and then to top it all off, they're not even trying to make their hiring process inclusive. More than half of them in that report, 60% admitted that they've done nothing to actually adapt their recruitment process or carry out specific activities to encourage applications from diverse groups. So it's not rocket science, people. Um, But yet, for all the companies that say that they support diversity and inclusion, it feels like like we know 60% of them aren't even doing step one.
0: So would you say then that there are quite a few organizations that are just kind of because every organization has got a diversity page a DEI you know we are champions of underrepresented groups would you say that there are a lot of organizations out there that are just really paying lip service to this
1: I don't even have to say it we know from the study
0: yeah absolutely and the thing like you said with generalist roles as well it's always you know it's enough until it's not enough so let's move on to your your top actionable piece of uh, pieces of advice for Businesses, in terms of the retention and promotion of female talent. So, you know, we've we've talked about the problems. We've talked about the statistics. So, you know, let's let's give some actionable um, advice for these businesses who may be having difficulty with recruiting and retaining women.
1: It's really simple. Now, I'll give you the, the highlight five key points: hire equitably, pay equitably, promote equitably. Provide flexible work and remote roles for everybody and provide pair, paid caregiver leave for everybody. Now, again, things we all know, right? So what does this actually look like in play? Let's just go ahead and and, and break it down one by one. So hiring equitably. Have a defined hiring process and actually follow it. Uh, and, and within that defined hiring process, set you know, a realistic number of interviews take into consideration factors that may prevent someone of an underrepresented identity from participating like childcare or unpaid time off. So if you can consolidate interviews into a single day and provide a decision by the end of the week, that's ideal. And make sure that you're writing down what questions each interviewer is going to ask and ask that same question of every interviewee so that you're comparing apples to apples. Uh, You can create a scoring scale of what uh, constitutes you know an insufficient, good, better, and exceptional response to each question and most importantly focus on why this person is a good fit rather than why they aren't. With women especially, there's so many studies that show that women are graded on their past performance while men are graded on their future potential. So these are all mechanisms to kind of control for that bias. And then we move into paying equitably. And I don't know if I even really need to go into detail on this one. It, it should be you know pretty obvious by now, but we'll just you know spell it out. Post your budget for the role have a clear criteria for what kind of performance earns what level of compensation and then actually compensate people in accordance with that criteria uh don't make it whenever you can like don't make it a a situation where two people are having to face off against each other for like finite resources or whatnot whenever you can you know make it so that it's a competition against themselves right and that the only thing that's preventing them from gaining more compensation is their their performance, right? The, the thing that we're all paid for at the end of the day in the workplace and have that be fairly judged against clear and objective requirements. And that, that solves for number three, which is promoting equitably. So, uh, you know, we, we hit on that one and then just for the sake of time, condensing the last two together, promoting flexible work and remote roles for everybody and providing paid caregiver relief for everybody when more men take advantage of flexible and remote roles and actually use their parental leave to the fullest extent that enables women to have the capacity to show up in their workplaces so if men aren't driving the kids to school if they're not taking their elderly parents to doctor's appointments if they're not the ones getting their car inspected and registered at the DMV, their grocery shopping, whatever, there's no magical fairy getting these things done on their behalf. It's the women who are doing it. And if women are the ones doing these things, they're not working. And if they're not working, they're not building the skills, making the impact, getting the opportunities to advance their careers. The things that I listed out, those those activities, grocery shopping, appointments and whatnot, they're activities that are necessary for survival and to operate at a bare minimum in this day and age. They have to get done so that the people can show up to the workplace and be a productive contributor. And, and therefore, companies have to provide solutions to help people take care of these things, whether it's equitable time off or enough compensation to outsource the cooking and the cleaning and the filing of taxes.
0: That's a super interesting point. Like I think my generation because I'm I'm I've just turned 50 and I I think that my generation of women have kind of been raised in two different camps. So on the one hand we've been raised to be go-getters and Go get that job that our mums or you know couldn't get or you know didn't have the opportunities for, and go get that degree and you know, climb that career ladder. But on the other hand, we're still the homemakers and like you say, the, the the people that do the majority of the caretaking and the parenting, and you know, even if you don't have children, we're still out there doing the shopping and you know what I mean. So for for women of you know that Gen X. Um, generation. I, I think we've been brought up in both camps and that's tricky. It's really tricky um, to try and balance everything. So there's a disproportionate um allocation of tasks, if you like. And I read something about the workplace as well, like the amount of women that go into work and do little things like, you know, they still clean the um canteen, you know, the 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 little co- coffee thing that you have. And you know, we're still doing all the little bits of washing up and washing people's cups and <laughs> And just more and more that I read about, just puts up with so much, and I'm just hoping that the generation coming up behind us is is going to learn that you can't, you literally cannot, you can't do everything. You can't, you can't do everything, and you can't have it all. Somebody's going to have to take some of that weight as well. It's it, there's just there's only so many minutes in the day, and that's where burnout is going to come for women as well. Exactly. And I just want to go back to this idea of the promotion of women. So, I mean, I would advocate for the promotion of women because they're talented, not the promotion of women because they're a diversity hire or as a box ticking exercise. So what, is, what are your thoughts on that? Do we hire women, promote women simply because they are women or, you know, for their skills and expertise?
1: Absolutely, we promote them based off of their skills and expertise. And in fact, it's, it's kind of a, a logic trap that I think a lot of people get locked into, which is that there's, it's, it's a binary thing. They either have the skills or expertise or they're a woman you can have highly capable qualified women who deserve that promotion and should therefore get the promotion right and 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 so it's not it's not necessarily that we should you know pick one or the other it's that we need to go back and really critically look at these uh functions that control the promotion process and figure out why these women who are highly capable and talented aren't getting the promotion. And, you know, enough studies have shown that it's the bias underneath them. It's the lack of the structure and the objectivity in these processes that are that are resulting in the lack of representation at the higher levels. So, um, you know, making sure we're really clear about the fact that, you know, it's not an either or it's a yes and.
0: Absolutely. And like that, the the phrase itself, diversity hire is is not one of my favourite. It's up there with digital transformation. It, it's just it's a bit of a it's a bugbear with me. I'm not a big fan of that phrase. And I was talking to another um, female leader in cybersecurity about this. And I said, you know, I don't I know. No woman wants to be a diversity hire. And she said, if you are a diversity hire, so what? Just get in there and, you know, show them what you can do. So that kind of changed my perspective on that a little bit as well. Could you just recap again those five actionable things, just really very briefly, just very quickly recap those five things for us?
1: Yeah, so the the high level of it was number one, hire equitably. Number two, pay equitably. Number three, promote equitably. Four is provide flexible work and remote opportunities for everybody and five provide that paid caregiver leave for everybody and and notice that i when i say these things i'm saying for everybody the the types of initiatives and things that you do to help elevate women in the workplace benefit everybody
0: absolutely that's a real key message as well benefits everybody it's not just about women in the workplace It's for everyone. Um, I put a post on LinkedIn today about you know, it's not just about getting women into cybersecurity. That's you know, that's one way of looking at it. We've we've got to find more talent in this industry because otherwise we're in big trouble. So yeah, no, I absolutely agree with that last statement. I think that's crucial. Thank you for that. I just wanted to make sure that people are hearing your message because it's you know, and we are thousands of miles apart, um, and I just wanted to make sure that everybody heard that 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 those nuggets of wisdom from you. So let's talk about what the future is for you and for Hacker in Heels and how can people contact you? How can they support you? I
1: appreciate that. So if you're curious about cybersecurity careers or you're looking for inspiration about what's next for your current cybersecurity career, if you're in cybersecurity now, uh, Hacker in Heels, we have a free cybersecurity career archetypes quiz. It takes into consideration your values, your skills, your interests, and it matches you with one of four archetypes that we've found to be prevalent in this industry. Um, and then it provides you with a list of associated roles that you would see if you were out there job searching. So uh, you can just go to hackerandheals.com quiz, and it only takes a few minutes and you get a, a super nice uh, PDF results guide to go with it. Um, Otherwise, you can learn more about Hacker & Heels and sign up for our programs at hackerandheels.com. You can follow us on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, and now Threads. So hope to see you, connect with you on any one of those platforms um, or or reach out to me directly. I'd be happy to chat.
0: Stacey, thank you so much. But I'm just so happy that we got to talk um, and that uh, you could share your advice with people because I just think it's crucial. And I would love to, uh, at some point, Well, I'd love to travel over to the US and actually speak to you (laughs) face to face. That would be great. Um, But I would love to carry this conversation on um, again at some point, because I do think there's some deep diving that we can do uh, with a lot of those points that you've made today. Um, But thank you so much for your time today.
1: Thank you so much. I
0: agree. I would love to be able to meet up in
1: person and chat. And, you know, thank you so much for this impactful conversation and everything that you're doing uh, to continue to get the word out there and to promote women in cybersecurity.